There was a little boy named Johnny, and Johnny had really been misbehaving, and so his mom sent him to his room. And he stayed there for a little while, and then he came out, and he said, Mom, you know, I thought things over, and I prayed. And she said, well, Johnny, that's, that's really good. You know, if, if you ask God to help you not misbehave, he will help you. And little Johnny looked at his mom and said, well, Mom, I didn't pray and ask God to help me not misbehave. I pray that God would give you the ability to put up with me. For the last few weeks, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer, and it really raises a crucial question. What is the big deal about prayer? Why is prayer so vitally important? And here's the short answer. Because the quality of your prayer life determines the quality of your relationship with God. Think about that. The quality of your prayer life really does determine the quality of your relationship with God. And think about this. Communication is essential in any relationship. If you're married, isn't that true? Communication is really important. If you're going to get to know somebody, and this is true in friendships as well, you've got to be able to talk to them. You've got to share not just the, the ideas in your head, but the emotions in your heart. But imagine this. Imagine two people that spend... Um, a great deal of time together. In fact, they're always with each other, and one of them never says a word. One of them doesn't even acknowledge that the other person is present. How would that affect a relationship? Now think about this. When is God present with you? All the time. He's always present with you. And yet there are times when we go through the day and we don't talk to him or we don't even acknowledge his presence. And when we do that, when we don't pray, we are actually robbing ourselves of the joy and the strength and the peace that only God can provide. And consider this, consider the purpose of prayer. Because prayer is not just about asking God for the things that we need. It's not just praising God for who he is and how great he is. Prayer is an opportunity for God to change us and to make us more like his son, Jesus. So church, can we do this with all those purposes in mind? Would you stand? Let's say the Lord's Prayer. In fact, let's do more than say the Lord's Prayer. Let's actually pray the Lord's Prayer as we engage our heads and our hearts this morning. Are you ready? Um, guys, I don't have my clicker, so would you advance that? Thank you very much. Let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please have a seat. Now we said that the Lord's Prayer, when we really study it and understand it, is an opportunity for God to change us. And the question is, the phrase that we're going to focus on this morning is this one, give us today our daily bread. How does praying that phrase actually change us? Now, to help you connect with the, the verse this morning, I want to do this. I want to give some of you some daily bread. All right? These are actually leftover hamburger buns from the back-to-school bash. And I said, man, I can use those for a great object lesson tomorrow. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some bread. All right, here's a hamburger bun. All right, good. Good. You ready? All right. Okay, if it falls on the ground, that's okay. Five-second rule. That's right. You guys know about that, don't you? 
Okay, let's see. All right. Mike, are you ready? This one's coming to you, buddy. All right. Now, listen, when you get your bread, you can, well, you can hang on to it. If you're hungry, you can eat it right now if you didn't have breakfast. Are you ready, Mike? Okay, it's coming at you. Whoa. Perfect. Okay. Now, that's, that's good for now. And listen, you can share your bread with your neighbor. Um, just don't do anything that will distract others with your bread this morning. Now, back to our main question, which is this. How does praying this phrase, give us our daily bread, change us? And here's the first thing I want you to see, and it's on the screen. It takes us from anxiety to peace. Praying this phrase, give us today our daily bread, actually can change what's happening in our hearts and take us from anxiety to peace. Now, back in 2012, President Bush recommended that Congress set aside $38 billion dollars for a new department called Homeland what? Homeland Security. And since that time, we know that there's been a lot of money and a lot of technology and a lot of personnel dedicated to making our country a safer place. We also know this, that even though we've made some gains in the war on terror, there's still a long way to go. And the reality is that there is a great need for security and peace, not just in our nation, but in our own hearts. Some statistics I saw during the week affirmed this. Did you know that one out of every eight Americans between the ages of 18 and 54 suffer from some kind of anxiety disorder? That's about 19 million people. In fact, more people suffer from anxiety disorders than depression in America. And senior adults, those 65 and older, the number one health issue in that population is anxiety. So it's clear that for many people, this path to peace is really elusive. I read a story a few days ago that I thought was really interesting about anxiety and how we deal with it. It was told by Dr. Jerome Frank, and he's a psychiatrist at John Hopkins University. And he said that whenever he flies on a plane and he starts talking with somebody and they find out what he does, they often tell him about their fear of flying and ask, how do you handle that anxiety? And he said that years ago, back before there was... Homeland Security, before there were metal detectors and security checks, there was a pastor sitting next, a passenger sitting next to him who was talking about his fear of flying. And he said this, you know, I used to be deathly afraid of flying. It all started when this man brought a bomb on a flight to Denver to kill his mother-in-law. I became sick about flying ever since. I, I flew after that incident, but I always wondered which passenger was carrying the bomb. So Dr. Frank probed a little bit and said, so what'd you do about it? He said, well, I went to one of those special classes for people who are afraid to fly, and they told me there's only one chance in 100,000 that I would be on the same flight with somebody with a bomb. And did that make you feel any better? Are you kidding? At those chances, I'm bound to be blown up sometime. And he went on to say, but this is what I figured out. I reasoned that if the chances of having one bomb on a plane was one in 100,000, then the chances of having two bombs had to be in the billions. Those were odds I could live with. So what good did that do, asked Dr. Frank. Plenty. Whenever I fly now, I always bring a bomb with me in my carry-on luggage. There is a better way to deal with anxiety. And it's right here in the Lord's Prayer. In fact, there's a clear order in the Lord's Prayer. It begins by focusing on God, focusing on His name and His holiness and His kingdom. And it's only after we focus on God 
that we're invited to bring our request to him. Church, listen, the antidote to anxiety is believing that there is this Father in heaven who really loves you. And because he loves you, he wants what's best for you. And this Father in heaven is a wise Father, and he knows what's best for you. And this Father in heaven is an all-powerful Father who can do what's best for you. You see, our job is to ask God for what we need. God's invited us to do that. And God's job is to provide everything necessary to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Look at this verse. This is from the book of James. You do not have, why? Because you do not ask God. See, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells his disciples and us, hey, ask for what you need. Think about this. Have you ever wondered why God gave us these bodies that have to eat every day? I mean, we could be like bears, right? Bears just kind of eat themselves silly and hibernate for months. But how many of you eat every day? Okay, I see if my assumption's correct. Yeah, and some of us eat many times throughout the day, but why is that? And I think the answer is simple. God wanted us to be aware of our need for food so that we would be aware of our need for him to provide that food every single day of our lives. And look at these words of Jesus. This is from Matthew chapter 6. It deals with anxiety. Jesus says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So why should we expect God to give us what we need? Because he's a father who delights in providing exactly what his kids need. And here's another teaching of Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 7. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, the cure for anxiety is believing, really believing, that God knows what you need and that God is willing and able to provide what you need. And church, realize this. In light of Jesus' teaching on this subject, if we still are battling anxiety, it's for one of two reasons. It's because we didn't really understand what Jesus said or because we really didn't believe what he said. There's an author, her name is Mary Crowley, and she said this, I really like this. Every evening, I turn my worries over to God because he's going to be up all night anyway. Isn't that a great thought? I shared this with some of you before, but I have this little worry box, and I write down things that I'm worried about on little pieces of paper, and I put them in my worry box before I go to bed at night. It's my way of saying, God, here, this is for you. You're going to be up all night. I don't want to worry about this stuff. You told me not to worry, and you know what? Tomorrow morning, we'll see how things are going to work out. But God wants us to give our anxiety to him. Now, here's another way this prayer changes us. Number two, and this is on your outline, it takes us from selfishness to compassion. It takes us from selfishness to compassion. Now look at this verse again. Give us today our daily bread. The verse doesn't say, hey God, give me my daily bread. And that's because Christianity is not just about Jesus and me, it's about Jesus and we. Because we have others for whom we should pray. It's like the, the young woman who decided that she was being really selfish in her prayers, and so she decided she was going to pray for her mom. And so she started praying, and she said, Mom, I mean, God, would you please bless my mom? Would you make her 
strong and, and healthy and just you know, provide everything that she needs. And, and God, when it comes to what she needs, would you please, please give my mom um, an intelligent, funny, and extremely attractive son-in-law? <laughs> it's so easy to, to pray for ourselves, isn't it? But Jesus says, hey, you need to pray for each other as well. And, and church, that's really important because, listen, this morning, you know, when it comes to finances, you may be doing fine, but others in our church family are not. You know, you may come home at the end of the day and you have a spouse to help you with the kids and dinner and the laundry and all of that, but there are single moms and dads who don't. I mean, you might be a student this morning and you get along great with your parents, but you've got friends that are just struggling when it comes to getting along with their mom or their dad. And because of that reality, what should we do? We should pray for other people. And listen, we want to give you opportunities to do that here in our church. We have a prayer chain. We have um, pastor's um, prayer partner email that goes out every Friday. If you'd like to be a part of our prayer chain and pray for the needs of others, then just write that down on your connection card. Give us a call at the church office because we need to pray for and with each other. Now, here's a third way that prayer changes us. This is on your outline as well. It takes us from greed to contentment. Takes us from greed to contentment. Now, Jesus didn't say, give us this day our daily dessert. God, what I really need today is another container of Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream because that's what I really like to have. Jesus said, pray this way, give us today our daily bread. Now, I've got something other than daily bread this morning that I want to give to some of you, okay? Dave, can you catch this? Here you go. Whoa, there you go, buddy. It's soft, it won't hurt you. All right, can somebody tell me what these are? Yes, chocolate chip cookies. Now, you know what I notice on the faces of some of you that just have daily bread? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're not happy, are you? You're not content, because all you have is a piece of Hamburger bun that fell on the floor. And your neighbor has these great famous Amos cookies. Now, here's the deal. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, that is an opportunity for us to pray for contentment. Look at this verse. This is from Luke chapter 12. Then he, that is Jesus, said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. A man's life, a woman's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Now, that word greed is really a compound word, and it means to have more. And Jesus is telling his disciples to guard themselves from the, this desire to always be wanting more. Now, here's another really interesting verse. This is from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, and it talks about daily bread. And this is a prayer now notice what's being prayed here. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And notice the second request. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my what? Yeah, my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So that phrase, daily bread, is found in the Old Testament, not just in the Lord's Prayer. Now, in the Jewish culture, this is rather interesting. During the course of the day, 
they didn't have three meals. They just had breakfast and they had dinner, but they had no lunch. And would Jewish dads would go to work and often they would work with their sons. They would eat breakfast and typically it was just a piece of flat bread with some cheese and some fruit. And they often would eat as they went to work. So they're walking along the road and they're eating their breakfast. And so this idea of praying for your daily bread was really clear to them. They were praying and asking God to give them the strength to work hard and to provide for their families. And there's something else that was probably in the minds of people who heard these verses back in the first century, where Jesus says, pray this way, um, give us today our daily bread. They were probably thinking about an event that took place in the history of Israel. Now, back in the book of Exodus, many of you know the story that, that the Israelites are enslaved in, in Egypt, and God sets them free, and he parts the Red Sea, and he annihilates the Egyptian army, and he takes them through the desert, and they get to the desert, and what do they do? They grumble, they complain, and they complain in particular about food. Now this is really interesting, let me read this to you. It says this, in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out to this desert to starve us to death. Now of course, God hears everything they're saying, so how does God respond? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough, catch this, for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes appeared like frost on the ground. Reminds me of one of America's favorite breakfast cereals, Frosted Flakes. But it looked like all around frosted flakes. Man, this is great, God. And then Moses said to them, as the passage continues, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you is to gather, and here's that phrase, as much as he needs. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. Just imagine that. And then the next verse says this, so Moses was angry with them. Now, why is Moses so ticked off? Why is he so angry? Because the Israelites are being greedy. God has given them everything they need, and they just want more. In fact, some of them are hoarding food, and it just spoils. Now, does that have anything to say to our American culture? Well, absolutely. I mean, we watch ads on television every single day. They pop up on our computer screens, always trying to get us to do what? Buy more stuff. And the assumption is you should never be satisfied with what you have because you need what? You need more. There's a pastor, his name is Bob Russell, and he addressed this in a book that he wrote, and it was really clever. He talks about the fact that just because you have more stuff doesn't mean that you have a more grateful heart. Now, this doesn't apply to anybody here, but let me just read this, okay? He says, you went to Hawaii on vacation, so now it's harder for you to enjoy the state park. You've eaten a steak at Ruth's Chris, so it's harder for you to be thankful for a meal at Ponderosa. You've driven a Jaguar, so now you can't be content with your Chevy. You cheered for a national champion, so now it's difficult to be grateful when your team has a good season, but doesn't take home the title. And then he says this, this is such a great statement. He says, it's a rare person who in his cup runneth over can give thanks to God instead of complaining about the size of the mug. 
Isn't that something? Now, for the Israelites, when God finally puts something in their mug, they have a name for it. What was that food that came down from heaven? What was it called? Manna. And what does the word manna mean? Does anybody know? Here's what the word manna means. What is it? And that's what they were saying. What is it, God? It's sort of like when I was a kid in elementary school, we ate in the school cafeteria, and they had this mystery meat, and all the kids would go, what is it? Now, the Israelites weren't sure what this food was, but they did know this, that God had provided it for them. And you see, the reason that they began to complain is because they forgot what God had done for them in the past. They forgot the goodness and the grace of God in their lives. And friends, that can happen to us too. Somebody said this, we need to be thankful for the mess to clean up after the party because it means we've been surrounded by friends. We need to be thankful for the lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means we have a home. We need to be thankful for the space we find at the end of the parking lot because it means we're capable of walking. We need to be thankful for piles of dirty laundry. How many of you are ever thankful for piles of dirty laundry? Because it means we have something to wear. Friends, praying this portion of the Lord's Prayer really does change our hearts. It moves us from wanting more and more to being content with what God has provided. Now here's the final way this prayer changes us, and this is on your outline. It takes us from making a living to making a life. Listen carefully. When you move from anxiety to peace, when you move from, from selfishness to contentment and from greed to just being thankful to what God has given you, you're moving toward the life that God wants you to have. And this is what Moses said to the people of Israel. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. He, that is God, humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. And here's why. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now here's the question. Could God have given the Israelites a three-month supply of manna? Yeah. I mean, he could have put an automatic manna machine in every tent. But that's not what he did. He gave them just enough for every day, and here's the reason why, so they would depend on him every day to provide what they needed. Now, friends, every, every Sunday as I had the privilege of, of sharing God's word with you, and every Sunday as I pray early in the morning about our time of worship, I think about this fact that when you come through these doors every Sunday, you've got these needs in your heart. And sometimes I know something about those needs, but God knows every single one of them completely. And I want you to think about this. If you could just stop for a moment and ask God for what you need right now, what would it be? What would you say to God? Would you say, God, you know, I, I really need a new job on Monday because the one I've got is killing me. God, I need a way to pay my bills this month because I'm not sure how this is going to work out. God, I need patience with my children. God, I need a miracle in my marriage. God, I need a friend because I'm just, I'm really lonely. God, but I need some hope because I'm just not sure how the future is going to work out for me or for the people I love. Now, here's the question. God invites us to come to him and to tell him what we need. But why should we know 
that God will hear and answer our prayers? How do we know that God is going to provide everything that we need to accomplish his purpose for our life? And church, I want to do this. For me, there's a verse of scripture that settles this. And it's Romans 8.32. Let's take a look at this verse. It says, he, speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son, speaking of Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all thanks? And do you see the logic here? The greatest need that we have is a need for a savior. And if God is willing and able to provide for that need, don't you think he's going to provide every other need that you have to accomplish his purpose for you? And listen, church, this is, if you don't remember anything about the message today, I want you to remember this. We talk about it all the time because I really want you to understand this. The gospel is the center out of which we live. And that's why we go back to the gospel week after week. We talk about the bad news and the good news. And when you think about it, the gospel proves to us that we have a God who's concerned about our needs. Because when you read the story that unfolds in the pages of the Bible, you read about Adam and Eve and how they disobey God. They sin. Now, what is their need at that point? They need to be forgiven. How many of you are a sinner? It's okay to raise your hand. We're on the same leaky boat, right? We all have broken God's heart and broken God's laws because he said, I want you to love me with all your heart and mind and strength and soul, and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. We've all failed to do that. And so, what do we need? Starts with the letter F. We need forgiveness. God's forgiveness. The forgiveness that only he can provide. And that shows us the the situation that we all face. Because of our sin, we're separated from a holy God. God is holy and just. He can't just look the other way. He can't just forgive without somebody paying the price for our sin. And that's why Jesus comes to our world. Because we need a savior. And so Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, lives the life that we couldn't live. Why? Because we need somebody that can do what we can't. Somebody that can be our substitute. Somebody who can die in our place. That is our greatest need. And God meets that need. And so Jesus allows himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. And on that cross, God's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And he dies the death that we deserved. And then Jesus comes back to life. And what does Jesus offer us? A new life. A new life by trusting him and following him. By walking with him day by day and depending on him to provide all that we need. And so church, today, if, if you're somebody who's lonely, remember that Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you've been lied to, and who hasn't? Jesus is the truth. If you're anxious today, Jesus is a prince of peace. If you're sick, he's a great physician. If you're confused, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And friends, whatever your heart is hungry for today, whatever you need, whatever you're thirsty for, remember these words of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful this morning 
that Jesus reminds us that we can come to him, that he is the bread of life, that he's the one who's promised to meet our, our needs, the hunger of our hearts, the thirst of our soul. And Father, we, we know that in this world that is so broken and so flawed, that you want us to live with this hope that comes from really believing that you know our needs and that God, in your way and in your time, you will provide everything we need to accomplish your purpose for us. And Father, sometimes, quite honestly, we, we see the struggles, we see the challenges, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others, and we wonder, where is God in this? Where is the provision? Where is the blessing that he promised to pour out? And God, the reality is that sometimes those blessings come through the, the pain, Lord, the tears that you allow, that bring us to our knees and draw us closer to your heart. And Father, I pray this, that as we, as we worship with this last song, Lord, whether we sit and just listen to the, the words, whether we sing along with them, that, Father, you would remind us that you're a God who's promised to bless, who's promised to provide, promised to get us home. And we ask this in Jesus' name.